Well, boys, I want you to listen during this short talk, and I want you to count up, if you can, how many times I use the words Jesus and how many times I use the word children. Okay, is that, is that a task for you? That'll stop you falling asleep. And there might be a prize at the end. Okay? So today's gospel story wasn't the only time where Jesus took a little child to illustrate the kingdom of God. Here he is in this story taking a little child and placing the child in the middle of the disciples. Remember that the context for this was that the disciples had been arguing on the road which one of them was the greatest. Can you imagine what it must have been like? One of them might have said, I'm the greatest. Another one might have said, no, no, I am. Another one might have said, no, neither of you are. I'm the, I'm the best. I'm the first. To which someone else might have said, no, but, but I've been here from the beginning. And they went on like that, arguing who was the greatest. But Jesus, to answer that, takes children... who have little power or no power, and he makes them the center of his kingdom. So no wonder he tells us that unless we change and become like children, we will never enter the kingdom of God. Children and childlikeness have a central place in God's reign. So here's a question for the church. How are we doing when it comes to centering church? around children, young people, and child-likeness. How are we honoring the place of children and young people and the attitude of child-likeness? Because it seems to me that it's weakness, smallness, and powerlessness that are the attitudes that matter to Jesus. Now, I think this church is doing quite well. We've got the Boys' Brigade here as a good example, a good illustration of the fact that we honor and we see the importance of children and young people and we want to do all that we can to make church a place where children and young people are welcomed and a key part of. It's from tiny seeds and small beginnings that greatness comes. We know that from other places in the Bible. It's from little talents that something of worth can grow. That's why the Bible tells us never to despise the day of small beginnings. The kingdom of God begins in weakness, in smallness, in powerlessness, and it's this kingdom that will prevail beyond all other things. Now I want you to think of something Can you think of something that started off very small and very fragile, but grew stronger and bigger? What was it like in the very early stages of that little thing? What did you have to do to make it survive? How did you protect that which was vulnerable? Now, I wonder how many people thought when you were thinking of that question, were you thinking of a baby? how babies start very small and fragile and they need a lot of nurturing. Or maybe a plant that's been, a seed that you've planted needs to be looked after 
nurtured, or maybe a work of art, that something you're working on. It started small, and it was vulnerable, and there was just, maybe you were at the stage of giving up, but you didn't give up. You carried on. Or you were learning to play a new a musical instrument. How many people have started to pl- learn a musical instrument but given up? Because it's hard, but you kept going. Maybe, maybe you're thinking of that. Greatness comes from small things, weak things, powerless things, but they can grow into works of things that are valuable in the kingdom. Jesus warned his followers that the, how they treated little things, little ones, really did matter. They mustn't cause them to stumble. They mustn't do anything that would turn them away. They mustn't mistreat them or ignore them or not cater for them. Because if they, if they caused little things or little ones to stumble in any way, then they'd be better off thrown into the sea with a millstone around their neck. Have you ever tried to swim with a millstone? What would happen if you had a millstone? Do you you know what a millstone is? For grinding corn and making flour. If you had one of these big heavy stones around your neck and, and you jumped into the water, what would happen? You wouldn't be able to swim, I'll tell you that. You can't do it. You can't survive in the sea with a millstone around your neck. Honestly, I've tried. You can't. You go straight to the bottom of the sea and you stop breathing after a few minutes at the very most. Jesus is not telling. He's not saying that that's what people used to do. People have never done that, and I've never done it. Never tried it. But he's using exaggeration. He's exaggerating things in order to stress how really important this is. It's really important that children and young people and childlikeness and weakness and vulnerability find a home in the center of God's kingdom. The church must be a place where powerlessness leads because God can work with that. It's in our weakness that God's power is made perfect. In other words, when the weak and the vulnerable are welcomed, Even if it costs us, then his power will move. The church must be good news for the poor, the small, the weak, and the powerless. Because it's the vulnerable that we must welcome and nurture. Then we will see the kingdom come in power. And as if using a millstone wasn't exaggeration enough, Jesus tells his followers that this is so important that even if it means losing a hand or a foot or an eye, that would be a price worth paying. Now, Jesus isn't expecting people to go and cut off limbs. But again, he's emphasizing, he's exaggerating, he's emphasizing how important this is. Childlikeness is a core value of the kingdom, and and it must be at the center and at the core of all that we do at the center of how we relate to one another even, and how we relate to God. We are children in our Father's hands. It strikes me that this is another example of Jesus hitting the disciples with the strange truths of the upside-down values of the kingdom of God. 
He's smashing a few untruths. He's stressing that this new kingdom is not like the power of empire that the people see happening around about them. They would have looked around and saw the way the nations governed themselves and they would see everywhere the corrosive power of empire which puts wealth in the hands of only a few people. They see greed as being the norm. And they're tempted to think that, well, our kingdom, the kingdom of the Messiah, must also fight its corner and be equally aggressive and corrosive. But God doesn't work like that. Not according to Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. His kingdom is about letting go, laying down, serving, honoring the weak and vulnerable, not taking advantage of others, not exploiting, not wrestling for first place, but favoring the weak and nurturing the vulnerable and being like children in our Father's loving hands. Now in this kingdom that Jesus spoke about, we might come across some very unlikely friends. Jesus tells his followers that whoever is not against us is for us. When some who are not part of the inner circle are found to be using the name of Jesus to do good, John and some of the other disciples are not happy. They say, he's not one of us. And here we find a common human problem. We seem to want to classify people into two camps, one for us and one against. We think of people as being either in our tribe or out of our tribe. We can take this to the extreme and decide that only those in our group can be accepted. Only our members can do the work or enjoy the benefits. So we have inclusion and exclusion, black and white. Some people call this dualistic thinking. It's either one or the other. And it's not helpful when it comes to most things. It's what makes us want to divide into them and us And we do it in just about every walk of life, especially when it comes to religion, it seems. Now, I'm not going to push this one too far because even the person out with the group of disciples was using the name of Jesus to drive out demons. And Jesus isn't saying that the name of Jesus doesn't matter. I happen to believe, and you might do as well, that it's in Christ And through Christ that God is calling everyone and everything to himself. But we must avoid falling into the trap of excluding people along the way. We must always remain open to the possibility that God might work through absolutely anyone. That his kingdom is bigger than the church. It's bigger than the Christian religion. There are too many acts of kindness happening that are outside of the Christian faith for us to rule out the possibility of God working in people of other faiths and none. What I think I mean about that is to say that I don't think God is limited to working only in what we understand as being the church. Or as some others have said, there is the church and there's the invisible church, the one that we don't see. I think we need to look for connectedness with others, for points of contact, For example, I read something this week which quoted a passage from the Quran. The verse from the Quran reads, wherever you turn, there is the face of God. 
it reminded me that there are a lot of points of connection between people. Too often, we might highlight the differences and neglect our commonality. Maybe that's what the writer to the Hebrews meant when they said, always welcome strangers, because in so doing you might entertain angels unawares. Jesus gave us good advice when he said, whoever is not against us is for us. Let's look for God in the faces of those who are not yet Christians. Why not consider everyone as the son of God or the daughter of God? I wonder how differently we might treat each other if we did this. Jesus called his followers to have the qualities of salt, adding flavor and preserving. We are called to add flavor to the mix in small doses. It only takes a tiny amount of salt to make a big difference. And as well as adding flavor, we know that salt preserves it stops food from going bad. So we're invited to preserve and nurture the Christ life that we have inside us, we've been given, and to use this life to stop others from going bad by loving them with the same love that God has given us in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, may we be open to seeing you do extraordinary, unusual things. May we have the courage to love others in the way that you equip us to do so. And we thank you that you love each one of us here today. In Jesus' name. Amen.